Nate, what is going on? Everyone is freaking out. Uh, uh well, EA responded on Reddit. Oh, shit. Enjoy your stay, What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fun club. Welcome, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast here among the clouds. And I am the administrator of this facility and one of your co-hosts, Michael Morris. And with me to uh, try to do some triage here and determine where to start and where to finish and if anything is salvageable in this dumpster fire, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. Uh, I don't think, you know, don't use the word salvageable. <laughs> just, just had a wreck. We'll, we'll, we'll talk oh. about that next time. But uh. no, not salvageable, not salvageable. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Okay, a couple of the EA reps just jumped over the railing and they're now plummeting into the atmosphere. But uh, I think we're, I think we're okay. Um, but yes, I, you and I were talking before the show and folks kind of know what to expect from us. You know, banter about games Usually not so much of the card games as the rest, uh, because that seems to be more towards where our interest lies and such. And to expect sort of the the freeform discussion and some bad humor. But I think that everybody who listens to this show is expecting this episode will be our Battlefront 2 review. Whether it's the gameplay or the story, we want the Battlefront 2 review. And you have to try pretty hard to screw things up. <laughs> For, for the coverage of the biggest new Star Wars game release in years on a gaming-focused podcast to not be about your gameplay or your story and to be all about the dumpster fire of the weeks preceding or the week preceding it. That's, that is extremely impressive. Now, I do have some good news before we get into it about their new content that's coming, the first wave of new content, so we can at least start on a positive note. But okay. yeah, most of this episode... <laughs> it's like somebody threw stuff into a trash compactor and then lit it on fire, then ejected it into space, fired proton torpedoes at it, then it got sucked into a black hole. It's it's just a whole lot of destructive crap for what should have been a week of celebration. Right. We should have had we should have had uh, Gungan standing on top of the building saying saying we saw playing, but no. Well, yeah, and, and I even, like, at this point, because, um, like, looking at the show notes, it's, I feel more like Ron Burgundy, where I'm like, I'm not even mad. That's impressive. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, this is such a, I mean, there's so many intricate little pieces as to everything that's going on with this, that it's just like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Like, I'm not even upset about it. I'm, I'll just kind of sit back quietly and just you know, watch as it all happens, and I'll just play the uh, the main storyline while they settle all of this crap. It's like it's like the EA people behind Battlefront 2 were taking pride in the fact that EA had been at one point in that public poll named America's Worst Company or the Worst Company in the World or whatever uh, it was. Two years running. And then they heard about all the stuff going on in Hollywood with the the <laughs> scandals and everything and the sexual harassment and all that kind of stuff. And that was sort of leaning towards them being the current villains of discussion. And the leaders of EA just kind of said, hold my beer. Right, right. You know, it's, it's not even remotely on the scale of something like that. 
And yet for the gaming community, it has sucked all of the oxygen out of the room. It mm-hmm. is the thing that's being discussed everywhere. So, of course, we're going to jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> right. Technically, it's apropos for us, so it's not so much us jumping on the bandwagon as we were already in it, and we're just watching people jump on jump onto it all around us. Right. Yeah, that's it. Right. So, so good news first? Yeah, go, go right ahead. I'll let you... Uh... You can lead with the good news, and I'll uh, follow up with all of this stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, um, good news. Actually, it was originally it was good news for me because uh, the Elite Trooper edition of Battlefront 2 dropped on December 14th, and of course on the 17th we had the regular edition of Battlefront arriving. I ordered mine through Amazon Prime, which seems to have been a complete crapshoot. I know, Michael, yours right. arrived late. We had people having their... Uh, orders canceled. Another friend of mine, uh, Jim Lahane, he had his order inexplicably for the Elite Trooper Edition turned into a digital version, and then they tried to claim oh, to him no. that a physical one didn't exist. Um, in my case, I got it a day early because Amazon Prime must have shipped it from somewhere closer than normal because I got it on Monday. Um, so I was able to actually do some live streaming and some early impressions the day before release which I guess was good because the day of release when I planned to do quite a few streams about it uh, was when I had the wreck and I wasn't able to um, to actually sit down and, and do anything like that. So it's been a weird launch week in terms of just when people have gotten to play. But the good news side of things is that amidst all the controversy, they did make an announcement that frankly was completely overlooked. I mean, nobody seems to be reporting on this at all, probably because they've screwed things up so badly on other fronts. Um, <laughs> yeah. But right. remember that Battlefront 2's got this whole thing where its DLC is not going to be paid DLC. It's seasons of content released at different intervals that are just going to provide new content for free. They call it uh, the live service of the game, that continued support. And it turns out that we don't have to wait very long for that. The first wave of that, the first season of content tied into The Last Jedi is actually going to come starting on December 5th. Very, very early. So it's a staggered four-week process here for this so-called Last Jedi season, or season one. And basically, on the first week, on December 5th, um, they're going to have a new weekly faction challenge. We're now going to have factions to choose a side. In this case, it'll be Resistance or First Order. And what you do and what the community does when attached to a faction will play a role in providing rewards and such. So in a sense, kind of like joining a faction, say, in, I guess, Mortal Kombat X had kind of a faction thing that they did. And then on the 8th, there'll be a weekend challenge. And on the 10th, this is all December now, there'll be Blast Sunday, so presumably some type of extra bonus for playing Blast. And then week two is what then brings more new content, uh, which begins on the 13th of December, So that is when they're going to add Finn and Phasma into the game. They're going to add a new Galactic Assault map on Crate. We're going to have a new Starfighter Assault map at Dakar. We will have a new Starfighter available, which is Tally's RZ-A2 A-Wing. I was trying to read it because it's very, very small print on the screen that I'm looking at. Um, We will now as part of these seasons, be getting extra story content. So we will be getting story DLC added on the 13th as well for free. Uh, Battlefront 2 Resurrection, which I would imagine is either taking place immediately after the last chapter, which is kind of like an epilogue, or between the last chapter and the one that happens before it. 
We then have new daily challenges kicking off on the 13th, new weekly faction challenges kicking off on the 13th, a weekend challenge on the 15th, and then a Galactic Assault Sunday on the 17th. Week 3 then picks up on the 20th with a new weekly faction challenge, new daily challenges on the 22nd, a new weekend challenge, and on the 24th, Christmas Eve, Starfighter Assault Sunday. Then week 4 is the Holiday Celebration, as it's called. So we have on the 27th a new weekly faction challenge and another new daily challenge or set of new daily challenges. Also on the 27th we will have the holiday playlist, whatever that might be. And on the 29th a new weekend challenge. So new daily and weekend challenges, factions introduced with faction challenges, new ship, uh, new maps for the two biggest modes, two new heroes, plus new story content all being released within the span of a month stretch starting on December 5th, and it's all free, and it's getting zero news coverage. So we did want to lead <laughs> off with some good news right. here. Um, that All that is coming, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for the fact that we're getting more story content for free because I know you haven't finished up the campaign yet, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but suffice to say there are a lot of unanswered questions once you play the last chapter of the story, um, which, by the way, is nothing like they advertised it to us, but we'll talk about when we have an episode we can focus on the campaign. So okay, that's all the good news I got. So so I am I am at the part where you get to first play as Luke Skywalker. Am I almost done? No, you're about a third of the way through it, maybe. Oh wow. Okay, I was actually. You've got a long way to go. I I would say you. Let me put it this way: the thing that causes their advertising of the game to be at least partially false advertising hasn't happened yet for you. Okay. Give it a while. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll see whatever that means. Um I was mostly being sarcastic. I if I'm a third the way through, then I'm surprised cuz I I didn't think I was even that far. But uh no, you're, you're you're a decent amount along. You're getting into the story and such. Um and you've read Inferno Squad, so we'll be able to put together some impressions. Oh, I guess that's another piece of good news. <laughs> I beat we actually have two pieces of good news. Yeah. For those who like the Inferno Squad novel, there is a new variant cover version that's available as of the 17th of November at Target stores. It's essentially the original cover, except done as grayscale, with the only things in red being like flame and such, and the markings uh, for Inferno Squad on their gear. And then uh, there's a slight change to the text on the cover. The interior is all the same. The regular book is all pretty much the same, but the uh, they got a new variant uh, dust jacket and such on it that's available at Target now. So yeah. if you collect variants, there's a new one. That, I don't know if I consider that good news because I'm like, fine, I'll buy it again because I, I haven't picked it up yet, but I do intend to pick up the, uh, the San Diego version. Well, look, I mean, at this point, you've got all kinds of choices to choose from because you got the regular version. you got the Barnes & Noble exclusive version that has a poster in it. You've got the Books A Million signed exclusive version that has an extra page just for the signature. you got the San Diego Comic-Con version that has the cover that looks like the Elite Trooper edition. And now you got the Target version that's got the grayscale thing with the red. So lots of choice. Oh, maybe that isn't... You're right. Maybe that isn't good news. <laughs> I now have four friggin' copies of <laughs> Inferno Squad sitting in the other room when I only needed one to read. So, and that's not counting the regular version because I don't buy the regular version. I only buy all the different exclusives now. Right. Yeah. See, so I have the regular version. I'm going to have to pick up this Target version and the uh, uh, the San Diego version. I don't intend to pick up the other two that you were talking about. Was it Barnes and Noble and whatever? Mm-hmm. 
Books a Million with a signature. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about that because it's just well, basically the book. Well, because in this case, the San a... Diego Comic Con one will get you a signature because they were pre-signed. Well, no, I don't even care for that anyway. I, I actually prefer really? to get the, uh, get them signed in person. That's just my thing. I don't. Oh, oh, oh fancy schmancy. Well, I mean, I, dude, I mean, you live close enough, you could do it too. At Dragon Con, it is not hard to uh, get signatures from authors. I think this year we had well, oh, easily we had five. Um, current star wars authors and there were even some past authors as well so lots See, of i would go to dragon con but my tolerance for alcohol isn't high enough i don't drink at all oh well then okay maybe there is a way for me to attend dragon mm-hmm. con or used to not be no d- just do what i do which is just hang out in the star wars room sweet yeah it's, uh, now, if somebody comes in and tries to spoil a movie because they're still angry over Legends canon and, and they're being uh, members of the alt-Legends community, as we coined on Beyond the Films, um, is it permitted to drop some elbows or you just call security? Um, at this point, we've kind of got that um, under control. Out, out, of, out of everybody's system? Right. Fantastic. Well, um, no, there's there's still the one guy who, who runs the, uh, the thing, and he was there this year with his bucket. And, uh, but no, wait, 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 time out. his bucket. Yeah. What you know, for, mean with his bucket? for, for donations, there's a donations bucket. Mm, there was, <laughs> which was great because that was like right around the time all that stuff happened in Texas. And I'm so out of the loop. Yeah. And, and he's running around trying to get, I try to for... avoid the hate in fandom. So all this is kind of news to me, but all right. Speaking of hate and fandom, let's get to the real <laughs> focus of the hate in yeah. the last week or so. Um, which is EA and Battlefront 2. So I guess we should say to kick off the saga that a lot of the anger initially there, there, I did find that there were people online who were like, the game's not even out yet. How can you be angry about such and such? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a trial period on PC where people could actually play the game early. So a lot of the stuff that was leading to the initial concerns did come for people who were actually playing. They just weren't playing on consoles yet because the console versions weren't released. But you could get early access uh, through EA on PC. So just to get that initial criticism of people's initial criticism, yes, the criticism of the criticism, Mm -hmm. uh, and dispel that first because I did see that a lot on that first day of concern. So what happened? If it's a dumpster fire, who lit the match and how did they do it? His name was MBM Maverick. That is a weird name. How does that show up on his birth certificate? I have no idea. He's probably from like Celeste or something. They're weird like that. <laughs> That's racist or speciesist. <laughs> right. So he he put, he put, seriously, I paid $80. Um, and the weird thing is he put the dollar sign after the 80. So I imagine this guy is either from a different country or six. Um, now you see that. You see that a lot of times for people who aren't. Educated? From America, because that's oh, the way okay. that a lot of times you see currency markers used. Okay, I, I wasn't sure, uh, like I said, if that, that was a situation. Um, I, I was unaware of other nations using that, uh, mostly because of you know it being the dollar sign. Um, right. You know, a lot of times you'll actually see different indicators, but I'm possibly yens, there's, pounds, stuff like that. Right, but possibly there's uh, something. Uh, similar to that, I think maybe Australia uses the dollar sign too. But anyhow, Sweet. we we just we just got like less than a minute and a half into the discussion, and we're already in the weeds. Well, I you know this. I don't. I'm sorry. This stuff. 
actually entices it, me. It, it just it grates against you, like for me, the the sentence fragments of Chuck Wendig, I suppose. <laughs> oh my so, god! Okay, so oh. what did he? So what did he say? Seriously, I spent eighty dollars. <laughs> ellipsis. Right. This is a joke. I'll be contacting EA support for a refund. I can't even playing. And then uh, expletive, Darth Vader. Uh, exclamation mark uh, question mark exclamation mark continued and then he says disgusting this age of microtransactions and uh, in parentheses has gone way too far uh, leave it to EA though to stretch the boundaries so this guy posted this and someone from EA uh, basically the reddit account EA community team responded and the response was, the intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes. As for cost, we selected initial values based upon data from the open beta and other adjustments made to milestone rewards uh, before launch. Among other things, we're looking at average, play, average pay player credit earn rates on a daily basis and we'll be making constant you probably should say that again because it says saying per player you said pay player which in this case would completely change the context (laughs) average uh hold on let me let me start over uh among other things we're looking at average per player credit earn rates on a daily basis and we'll be making constant adjustments to ensure that the players uh have challenges that are compelling rewarding and of course attainable via gameplay we appreciate the candid feedback and the passion the community has put forth around the current topics here on Reddit, our forums, and across numerous social media outlets. Our team will continue to make changes and monitor community feedback and update everyone as soon as often as we can. Now, my question is, um, do you think, like, looking at, at that uh, response from mm-hmm. the uh, EA community team, do you have any issues with anything that they said there or... Were there any red flags for you? Um, I mean, I the red flag really would just be that it sounds like the corporate, or not even the corporate speak, like the official response type of thing, right? You can tell a difference between when someone is speaking off the cuff, speaking for themselves, or speaking conversationally, versus when they're saying something that is worded in such a way that you know, okay, this is the company line, mm-hmm, This, right. is, which is not necessarily a bad thing for it to be the company line. This is the official right. thing that's being said, and this is their way of trying to wade into a conversation with someone who is angry by speaking in a professional way. Right. Um, that can tend to rub people the wrong way. I don't think that in and of itself is necessarily a bad thing. There is, the, the one, there is a little piece that I would disagree with in what he's saying, uh-huh. and, that is, and that is only the point about the intent being to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes, because while I agree that that is the case, and I actually see that as a type of game design that makes sense, um, even if it annoys some people because you have to wait to play as certain characters, uh, the fact that it also applies to heroes versus villains mode, right? I think is a little bit of a stretch because it probably shouldn't have applied there. But in general, the sense that we want to give you a sense of pride and accomplishment to get you to keep playing that's good. I mean, that's that's the way I look at a lot of things when I'm talking to my students, short goals. Mm-hmm. Because the, if the long goal of passing the class feels out of reach, short goals every week and you can eventually get there. It's the way that Dave Ramsey talks about paying off debt. So initially, I don't really see anything wrong with what they're saying here except for the fact that they are making – they're giving a reason or an excuse, however you want to see it, for something that has people angry 
And that's never going to go well in social media. Right. Yeah. My, see, so this is this is what I'm thinking with this is I think that their response is totally fine. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily do anything off the bat to say, you know what? You're right. Our bad. We're working to fix that. But this is one response to, you know, one thing. Um, and wouldn't this be, as you said to me when talking about Jedi challenges, this is probably some intern or somebody who's not at the level of being able to tell what tweaks are going to be made to the game, right. even if they were already in progress. Right. right. I mean, this is somebody who's just answering, mm-hmm. who happens to be answering on Reddit on behalf of the company in an official capacity. They're not the game developer necessarily. Yeah. I mean, at least not that I saw. Did they, did they, uh, was there attribution to say who it was that was saying this and what their role was in the grand scheme of things? Or was it just a EA community rep? Um, that, from it, what I understand, it was just an EA community rep. Right, right. That and that's basically like that's the Reddit account is EA EA community team. So it could be ah. a number of people, and and yeah, they so they've just pretty much went with this open line, and you know they have they don't really have any sort of uh, I wouldn't imagine have any sort of power to to make any sort of changes. Um, so they're just sort of putting something out there to um, you know to sort of pacify this individual as best as possible or, you know, to say, Hey, you know what? I see what you're, I I see that you have concerns. I see that you're upset. Here's what we were thinking. This was our mindset. You know, these are the things that we did to try to make sure that these things were met because I think this is uh, what's happening here. I think is, is two things. Um, one, I think that this has been boiling over since, um, it was stated that they would, uh, you know, that there would be microtransactions. I, I think the moment that that was stated, um, I, I was able to see in, in several different places in the community, you know, Facebook groups and, you know, uh, Twitter and, and the like, just all over. Um, there was definitely a large number of people who um, consider anything that is um, microtransactions and those microtransactions actually are, are you or can be used to get anything in the game that would upgrade uh, upgrade your character as more than just any sort of um, um, what's the word uh, cosmetic yeah cosmetic that's the one um, anything other than cosmetic is going to be seen as uh, pay to win regardless of anything else it doesn't matter whether there are um, level requirements that need to be met or if um you know the actual you know the the effectiveness of each item and so forth none of that i I think people did not care it was simply the fact that hey this is more than cosmetic and it's something that you can pay for um i think that there's been a bit of time since that was first announced till now that it's been boiling over and I think that one person basically stated it, and then EA made the mistake of responding on Reddit. <laughs> and I don't think that that is a very good, um, I don't think it's a very uh, s- mm-hmm. safe place for that type of discussion. I, I mean, I think Reddit uh, tends to be more emotional rather than, um, you know, logically um charged yeah log- yeah like this is a, this is something you say in a news blurb or a blog blurb saying we've heard your complaints 
here's what we're going to do. But if you're going to do that change quickly, you don't say anything necessarily at first, Mm -hmm. right? Because especially on social media, because again, social media tends to be not so much always an echo chamber, uh, although in a lot of ways it is. It also is where the loudest, angriest voices tend to come to the fore, and then the echo chamber effect gets going, and it just kind of grows out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of surprised they that they responded at all to this, given the vitriol they had to have known was coming. They had to have right. known this person was not alone in expressing this sentiment, so why not just leave it and then have something to say once – you know, you know no need to report that till there is something to report, right? Once <laughs> right, you, right. if you're going to implement a change because you see this feedback happening, then you should probably wait until you see it. Though that begs the question of whether or not they saw a need to make a change at all based on general feedback until it became the most downvoted post to date. On right. Reddit. And, and the thing is, I would say this statement here, I think was a pre-planned statement because mm-hmm. they knew that it was a concern. And so it was a, th- a well-thought-out um, response for something that they were anticipating. However... And it's something... Oh, um, go ahead. And it is something that is not just, here's what we have done, or, or we welcome your feedback. Thank you very much for your feedback, which is the typical response you would get, right? right this right. is, here's what we did look at. We are constantly still looking at it, so we appreciate the feedback, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? They're basically reassuring people that they are in the process still of looking at it and making changes and being as transparent as they can be, it seems like, in terms of how they made the decisions ahead of time. And I think that's, to some degree, that's where EA versus DICE versus Criterion versus Motive comes into play in that each of those companies has different levels of transparency when it comes to certain decisions that they make. So... EA tends to be less transparent, for instance, than DICE might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a part of this where it's sort of a, they're trying to be transparent, but perhaps this is as transparent as they can be without going into the weeds into stuff that EA wouldn't want them being transparent about or getting into the minutia of that sort of thing. Kind of like whenever the guy figured out how long it would actually take and gave all these statistics, and then their official response is basically to kind of talk around it because – they're not going to give specifics. And in one case, one of the guys who was interviewed by Angry Joe on YouTube, um, noting that they actually don't know for sure what the statistics would be of how long it would take to unlock everything through just gameplay. It's it's that that juggling of different corporate masters. It, it, it reminds me of, you know, now you can ask questions of Pablo Hidalgo about Star Wars stuff on Twitter and on Facebook, but the the line of communication directly between Leland Chi and fans in many ways, especially fans like me who used to be able to just email him with questions back and forth, has effectively closed. And it's all because of the difference of masters with Disney now over it instead of just Lucasfilm. You know, it's it's just the nature of a business. Right. Well, this response got them six hundred and seventy five thousand downvotes on Reddit. That is astronomical um the i was looking here um according to let me see if i find it real quick um wasn't the the closest thing to that previously something like two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand or something nope. like they more than doubled the downvotes nope 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 not even close uh it even was less? Uh, yeah it, it was it was less than that in fact hold on if i can pull it up real quick um 
the uh, the next most downvoted comment was twenty three thousand six hundred. Oh, I was off by a decimal place, or I was off by a tens place on that one. Yeah. Um, wow. Right. That's. Uh... <laughs> this probably was the biggest influx of new Reddit users too. People who had never bothered to respond on Reddit to anything mm-hmm. who saw this and were like, "Oh hell no! Create account." Well, yeah. Um, and and I think that the the situation is, yeah, it's it's a lot of people who were dogpiling on to say you know these this these are people who either are customers of yours or would be customers of yours who you know are not simply because of this uh perceived issue um so the the other thing i want to talk about too is just basically you know what they're upset about which is the um the cost of you know the fact that vader's uh unlocked or it has to be unlocked and all of that um, was it, uh, let's see what, cause I'm, I'm now I'm having issues trying to find what the, um, the cost ha- how many, were. yeah, I'm trying to remember how many credits. Yeah, so, all right. So you had, you have to unlock Luke and Vader, which are the top tier, right? You have to also unlock Chewbacca, Palpatine and Leia, which are like the next tier. And then you have to unlock Aiden, which is the next tier. And the, the original price to unlock that top tier uh, was 60,000 credits. And then the okay. second tier was 30,000. Uh, let's see. No, 60,000 became 15. Uh, so sorry, it was 40,000 for the second tier. And then for Aiden, it was 20,000 credits. Right. And to give you a sense of the play, I've been playing quite a bit this week, although I spent a lot of time with the campaign, but I've been playing a fair amount this week. And I've probably earned about, 40,000 credits total in playing throughout the week, give or take. Right. And that's with doing milestones and stuff too. Okay. And uh, about, do you know about how many hours you think you would have put in or have that? I'm not sure because unfortunately the game doesn't track that anymore. And we don't have an app to track that yet for Battlefront <laughs> 2. I kind of want that because I want to be able to see my statistic, but they're not right. In the game at this point. Well, what now? These are the statistics that I'm seeing on here. And, and however, I will say that I have, I have seen other people claiming that that these numbers are not correct. Um, so I, I take it with a grain of salt either way. But basically, um, they were saying that to unlock absolutely everything in the game would take you basically um, four thousand five hundred twenty-eight hours. If you wanted to and, unlock everything in the game, right? And that's based on certain assumptions they make about how much, how many credits per hour you're getting, how many credits per match, the average match times, mm-hmm. um, starting at certain levels of cards, and that sort of thing. Because, and it, it's for those who aren't familiar with the way that the system works, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, when we talk about the gameplay mechanics. But basically, you use regular credits that you get at the end of a match, which is based more on how long you spent in the match than it is about your performance in the match. And you spend those credits to either do things like unlock characters uh, for use in any mode, right? Because those characters that you unlock are not available as reinforcements until you unlock them in any mode, nor are they available in Heroes versus Villains, which is where I have kind of an issue. <laughs> But then uh, 
beyond that, you are also needing to use those credits to buy one of the three types of crates because the way that you level up is that each individual card that you have is either common, uncommon, is like rare and epic, I guess they call it, four different tiers of cards, each denoted by a little dot basically up at the top, one dot through four dots. And the number of dots, when you add them up, determines what your character's level is. And the character's level, or the, the class's level, determines how many star card slots are even open to be able to use, plus it's determining the power of those cards. You can get more powerful cards through just random drops within the uh, uh, the crates, but you can also use crafting material to then uh, upgrade them by choosing cards to upgrade instead of waiting until you happen to get a drop. There has been a pair of changes that have changed the progression a little bit that have angered people as well alongside this um, in how they deal with duplicates and such. Um, in the beta, from what I could tell, I was never getting duplicates because if I got the same card a second time, it gave me the next higher level of rarity of that card. So getting a card again wasn't a duplicate per se, it was an upgrade until you reached all the way to the top tier. A duplicate now is giving you credits rather than just giving you the next version of a card. It gives you a relatively tiny amount of credits, no. and even that isn't making people happy with it because they originally said on their blog, I think it was, or their forum at one point, that duplicates will give you crafting materials, yeah, which are much was... harder to get and much more useful than just regular credits when it comes to getting what you actually want. So it is a kind of a convoluted system, but those crates, not the characters, but the crates are the things that can also be gotten for crystals, which are what you can spend real money on. Unlocking the characters is not a matter of real money, it is a matter of credits. So in theory, it is a matter of time, but you can increase how many credits you have at a relatively slow rate if you were to buy a bunch of crates with real money and happen to get decent amounts or a bunch of duplicates. So there is a pay aspect to it, but this first controversy was more about the time put in than the money aspect. The money aspect will come in later as we go through this. Um, just because, again, another thing I saw mischaracterized was people saying, how much it costs in real money to unlock Vader? Well, that's crap. You can't unlock Vader with real money, but you can speed up that process with the crates, but there is no crystal option to unlock characters. That is a credits-only thing. So this <laughs> this uh, economic system they have going here, you know what it really reminds me of? Uh, gambling? No, I was going to say Star Wars Uprising. That's true, yeah. Star Wars Uprising and all the stuff you had to do there. Um, but it's because, it, you know, there's a microtransaction aspect to the whole thing. And and that's something I don't know if we'll get into it this time. We'll get into it later. But as an economics teacher, I have a particular perspective on the idea of microtransactions mm -hmm. that I think might be beneficial to talk about, at least to get some honest intellectually honest discussion about microtransactions going because it seems to be it's one of those things that you just can't talk about without and have a, a different perspective than microtransactions are evil without being a corporate stooge you know terrible human being but from mm -hmm. an economics standpoint there are some arguments to be made both for and against microtransactions that make it much more of a gray area you know like everything else just about in life than extremes <laughs> right right so, but yes, yeah, so so it was sixty thousand to unlock Vader or Luke. Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, 
And so basically, they finally, after all of these downvotes and everything, they cut the the cost seventy five percent, or took it down to fifteen thousand. And sitting back somewhere is the slow clap of congratulations, EA and Dice. Man, you just managed the most downvoted Reddit comment in history. Where are you gonna go now? At which point, all the people at Dice are like, I'm not going to Disney. I'm not going to Disney. <laughs> from Disney. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but that was a quick turnaround. This controversy broke the morning of the day before the game came out, which mm-hmm. is actually the day that it was delivered to me through Amazon. But between the time that this broke, which is right around the time that it arrived for me in the mail, and at time it took for me to install the game, uh, get the update for the game, eat lunch, come back, and actually jump in to try to start playing it, it was already resolved and the prices for the characters had already dropped. So this was a phenomenally fast turnaround change that was made to the game. I mean, they granted it took, you know, the sound of you know a million people crying out in anger, but or 600,000 as the case may be, or whatever it was, but it got changed very quickly. Yeah, I mean, now granted, changed, but with caveats along the way. And I think these, I don't think these caveats are actually accurate, but okay, go ahead. What were the caveats that we're hearing out there right now? So there, there was response, I mean, uh, reports, and, and I have not, followed up on them to, to determine for sure, but um, basically saying that, yes, they cut the prices down of the heroes, but they also cut um, how much, how many credits you can actually earn in campaign and arcade mode. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Okay. I mean, I, I've seen nothing anywhere that has shown that to be accurate. Granted, it could be that... The numbers just aren't out there yet, and somebody will finally, you know, make a big deal about that, and we'll be able to see it. But, I mean, the only way you get credits in the campaign is by completing certain milestones anyway from finishing certain chapters and stuff like that. And those seem to be at levels that are commensurate with other rewards that we see in other parts of the game. Mm-hmm. And arcade mode, what they're talking about, is less about the milestones and more about just the fact that you can't farm arcade mode for credits because after you have uh, done a certain amount of activity in arcade mode, it basically says it'll be X amount of hours before you can play for credits again. Um, but that, I mean, unless they just change the amount that you were blocked right. uh, on getting from arcade, that failsafe in arcade mode of not being able to just farm it for credits seems like that was something within the original game design for launch in the first place. So I'm wondering how much of this is is correct, or how much of this is wow? They just answered our answered our criticisms. Now we must find something else. Like I came to you and said I was starving, and you gave me a hamburger. You son of a bitch! Why didn't you give me a steak? You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said. This is just uh, something that was stated. I don't. I don't think that. Uh... I'm not going to put too much stock in it, um, mostly just because it does seem to conflict with some other things that have happened. And uh, past that, I mean, like, basically, if that were true, then it's mostly just EA specifically just being dicks. Like, um, because it's not about money, uh, if that were the case. Because uh, the next thing is that EA has... Now, everything I've seen reports temporarily, but 
from what I've seen from the official statement from EA, they said nothing about uh, temporary. Um, but they basically removed microtransactions from the game. Well, the wording of the of what came out um, said that they've removed them until they've retooled the game, basically. So the microtransactions thing continued to blow up the idea of it being paid to win, the idea that you could get more crates by spending regular money than spending the time to play in-game. And yes, more crates means more cards, which means either more powerful cards or more crafting materials to make more powerful cards, or uh, it means having just more cards in general, even if you don't use them, that will, by the very nature of how they figure out the different classes' levels based on the number of basic little tick marks on the card, is going to let you level up those uh, those troopers to a certain point, etc., etc. So... Yes, that's completely removed, but what they've said is essentially that they're trying to make sure that everything can be gotten in-game, which it could be in the first place, um, but that they're going to be sort of retooling the game or they're going to be looking at the game and changing some of the things about its economic system uh, before they add microtransactions back in at all. Now, that could mean that they're going to be looking at price differences. It could mean that they're going to be looking at keeping other things behind uh, gameplay walls rather than paywalls. It could mean that they're going to change, you know, maybe change it so that, yeah, if you get a duplicate instead of spending $4,000 on a crate, getting a duplicate so you're getting a tiny bit of credits, a tiny bit of crafting parts, and then like 200 credits. So basically I just got less than a quarter of the value I just spent on that stupid crate that gave me a duplicate. Mm -hmm. Um that they're going to find some ways to make it more essentially user-friendly. But then, presumably, since they do say until it's been retooled, microtransactions will come back in. And again, that's something we can get into on the the merits or flaws of the concept of microtransactions from an economic standpoint. But yeah, they went whole hog. Instead of saying, well, we're going to tweak the microtransaction system or we're going to change some balancing things about it with a quick hot fix Instead, they just removed it. Like, the option still is there to get more credits, but if you click it, like, for instance, on PlayStation 4, instead of giving you the screen that it used to give you that told you how much, how many credits you get for how much money, or how many crystals, instead now uh, it tells you there's nothing on the store. By the way, the amounts, for those who are curious, used to be uh, 500 crystals for 5 bucks, or 4.99, I'll just round them all, uh, 1,000 for 10 bucks. And then it was uh, 2100 for 20 bucks. So that's when the bonus amounts start to kick in. Uh, 4400 for 40 bucks. Or drop $100, drop a Benjamin, and get uh, 12,000 crystals. And the crystal costs were different for the crates. So your trooper crate is 200 crystals. Your starfighter crate is 120. And then the hero crate is 110. Um, so very different numbers here, but that's that was the economy that had been set up with microtransactions, and now that is completely gone in terms of being able to buy crystals. Crystals still exist, but you get those crystals through certain milestones that you get, and you get very little crystals, so it takes you a ton of those milestones to come anywhere even close to actually being able to spend the crystals. Like, basically go in and find every single collectible in the campaign— I think you wind up with like 175 crystals that gives you a chance to get one of 
the two lower cost crates, and then you're going to have to be doing some other pretty advanced stuff to eventually get enough crystals to buy anything else. So crystals are almost irrelevant at this point until they get microtransactions back in. Right. So, um, past that, the only other thing that I um, really wanted to say on, on that matter um, was that um, Polygon has actually... Now, this is kind of interesting, and you really have to sort of read into it. Uh, so, again, take this as you will, but Polygon wrote an article... And the the title of the article says that um, Disney couldn't let EA's Battlefront 2 drama ruin Star Wars. And they don't out and out say it, but essentially what they're saying is that Disney stepped in and said, EA, fix this right now. We've got a movie coming out. We don't need any of this negativity surrounding you know the franchise of Star Wars. Fix it now. Um, they don't out and out say that, but the way that they structure the article, that's what they lead you to believe. Um, well, we do know that EA, or sorry, that Disney contacted EA about it. Um, there's been conflicting reports of whether it was the head of like part of like the games division type of part of uh -huh. Disney that actually did it. Or if it was Bob Iger who did it, <laughs> but because uh, there was sort of a CEO on CEO thing that was making the rounds on Twitter. But yeah, Disney, someone higher up at Disney reached out to someone <laughs> higher up at EA and was like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but I would say that the immediate response a lot of people have was like they're going to have Star Wars somehow ruined or the profitability of Star Wars ruined by this game. Yeah, yeah, much ado about nothing. But I think that that Polygon article does a good job of putting it into, and this is, it was posted on uh, November 17th of 2017, if you want to go to Polygon and look up the actual article. Um, but it's, it's part of a bigger picture, mm -hmm. right? This idea of Disney is just not going to let anything screw up Star Wars. So if that means we're going to toss out Phil Lord and Chris Miller from the Han Solo film because they're trying to do their own thing, if it means uh, Colin Trevenow, or, or a Trev Trevor Trevor Rowe. Rowe. I was yep. I always have a hard time saying his name. Um, you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Having him gone, fine. Um, that kind of thing. And well, we're it's like all that is happening. Mm -hmm. Providing the context, we already had the controversy, uh, not about microtransactions, but about the Vader cost immediately before. In fact, the day before the game, the game's Elite Edition officially even launched. And top this all off with the fact that EA, like within the last couple of months, you also just axed or are going to fundamentally transform that Star Wars game that was supposed to be a single player story and you killed Visceral. So EA is basically, it's almost like EA is, or, or, or EA is to the Star Wars brand right now to some degree what Trump to some people is to the Republican Party. They're they're the they're the drunken or, cousin that can't keep a job. Yeah, they're like they're the person who in 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 their eyes are trying to do what's best for the franchise or for what's best for their organization or for their bigger picture. But in doing so there are stumbles that they're making that whether they can claim to have reasons for it or not or can provide rationale for why they thought it was the best decision or not, to the public at large it's not coming off that way. And that perception in the public at large is causing 
the blowback to fall not just on them, but on everybody associated with them. Yeah. So it's, I thought it was an interesting uh, statement. I was unaware of, of what you'd brought up about that. Um, the, there were reports of someone from Disney actually contacting them. Um, like I said, I find it odd that I, I didn't see that mentioned here in the, um, in the article, but I may have just missed that. Well, you know what's funny? Because you had you had texted me, I guess it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You had texted me or you sent me a message on Facebook and said, so-and-so is out. And you were referring to the guy at Marvel. Oh, right, right. Who was, who was gone and just got replaced and how maybe that means less clickbaity type stories. But as soon as you said so-and-so is out, my immediate thought, since I didn't know the name of the CEO of EA, was it somebody at EA who was higher up just got fired over this. <laughs> right. And that was what you were saying because that was a, you know within probably 12 hours of me seeing – the information about how EA got a call from Disney specifically on this. And if nobody's head rolls by the time this is all done at EA or at DICE or whoever was making the decisions, I will be very surprised. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I will say that, um, and I don't know if it's Disney that's doing this. I don't know a lot of people are like, it's Lucasfilm. This is, this side of it's more Disney. Uh, and and it's, it's actually why I've always, you know, I was very happy to see that Disney would be the one taking over Lucasfilm, uh, because as much as as several people get upset with them, Disney does not play around, and they make sure that they protect their properties and make sure that things are done. You know that that they're handled with respect, and I don't think you can ask for anything more than that. And uh, you know. We have actually seen a lot of people here recently um, leave from uh, Marvel, actually. And uh, I, I, I think that um, Bendis, you know, I, I'm not 100% certain as to uh, everything surrounding his departure from Marvel. But losing him, he and Charles Soule are the two most prolific comic book writers in the industry today. Uh, easily and them losing him is a terrible terrible thing for them uh there i don't know if it actually went through or not but there were reports that uh jonathan hickman would soon follow and that's another uh writer who it's like how are you going to to lose like how are you going to lose two of your biggest writers and then it's like oh now uh axel alonso's gone and now granted the way i understand it is that uh those two left on their own accord and Axel Alonso was asked to leave. And honestly, if you want to talk about the son of, you know, Han Solo has a wife, that's Axel Alonso is who you can blame for that kind of stuff. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that I know that's a little bit of a side tangent, but it does sort of tie in with, uh, like we said, Disney potentially, um, protecting their, their properties behind the scenes and actually making, uh, some adjustments with, uh, personnel to make sure that we st- stop getting some of this uh, crap, basically. And see here when you said that, you know, it was a good thing that of all companies, it was Disney that picked up Lucasfilm. My reasons back then for being pretty much okay with it was I like the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, okay. I guess it's a fairly simplistic way of looking at it, but I like the Marvel movies. Dang it. Well, um, I mean, just think if it's uh if it was, um, for instance, um, WB, they'd be like, and we're going to replace um, Luke Skywalker with um, 
what's his name? Jake Gyllenhaal. There you go. There you go. Because that's, <laughs> that's a good idea. Very possible. Because that's, yeah. Yeah, that's going to make for some sad flick. Right there. <laughs> um, all right, so... So they hear the complaints on Reddit very quickly, mm-hmm. and they change the cost of Vader, Luke, and the other heroes by dropping them down to 25% of their original amounts, which is basically 75% off. Then they've heard the concerns about microtransactions, and while they theoretically go back and retool the system somehow, they are removed from the game entirely And this is all within the span of the first days of the game's release when it comes to microtransactions and even before the official release for the response when it comes to the the, the hero costs and such. Before we get into the next controversy about it that's actually happening overseas, Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think? I mean, to me, this is building on what we've seen before. Like, it seems like they were kind of tone deaf when it came to the idea of tying the microtransactions into progression in the first place Uh and tone deaf in terms of uh, the original cost in terms of of gaming hours to be able to unlock those heroes or having them locked at all. But by and large, what we've seen with Battlefront 2 is that almost every complaint from Battlefront 1 has been answered, addressed, and made better for Battlefront 2. And even if these were some tone-deaf, idiotic decisions in the first place, the response time was insanely fast when it comes to actually doing something about it amidst this firestorm. So to me, we've got a mixed bag here in that they made some dumb decisions, which Mm -hmm. seem to have been more financial than otherwise, but their responsiveness has been very impressive. Uh, both in terms of response to the first game criticisms to make the second, um, but just in this week and how fast they address these. Because I can imagine a company like, say, Bungie, when it comes to Destiny, perhaps, looking at this kind of feedback, and we hear something about it the next week and a fix to be implemented within the next few weeks or something like that. And in this case, we're talking about ridiculously fast turnaround times, oh, less yeah, than absolutely. a week, in some cases, less than 24 hours. So. But again, if you is this have... good on them or is this you shouldn't have made the mistake in the first place, you idiot. So we're not going to get praise for cleaning up your own mess. Well, I, I think it's a little of both. Um, but there's also the question of, you know, how much of this is because they've got Bob Iger on the phone going, did you fix it now? Did you fix it now? <laughs> you know, um, I, sorry, I just I like the, the mental image of. Bob Iger calling him up and being like, what are you boys doing over there? They broke Walt Disney out of cryo-freeze for this crap. <laughs> no, I, th- I think actually, if you've ever heard uh, Bob Iger talk, he's a bit of a character himself. He's almost has that sort of like good old boy type uh, speech that he's just like, I don't know, it's funny. And especially when he like says things and then Kathleen Kennedy's like, I think he misspoke. And it's like, <clears throat> I love it. Bob Iger's even kind of like giving away some spoilers and stuff. Um but nice. anyhow, <laughs> uh, b- back to it. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say because you don't really know. I, I think that what you have to keep in mind is that there are more parties at play here than just EA or just EA and uh, Disney or Lucasfilm. You know, you got to consider that um, there's also DICE. And, you know, realistically, probably what's happening is EA is the one who's making these uh, statements or, or, you know, they're setting these precedents and DICE is having to actually um, 
put them in play. And then when EA goes, whoops, our bad. And then DICE goes, okay, well, we've got to figure out how to fix this. So, uh, Well, that begs the question, though, also, when it comes to things like the microtransactions and whatnot, were there people pushing back at DICE? You know, like, like not right. pushing back at DICE, as in they're pushing back towards DICE, but people at DICE who are pushing back against EA. And I would argue the same question needs to be answered when it comes to something like Middle Earth Shadow of War, mm-hmm. where basically the entire fourth act is a grind that can be shortened by just buying crates with real money to unlock the final cutscene that actually explains how that fits into the rest of that version of the Tolkien continuity and such. Um, was there anyone on the development team who turned to their publisher and said, uh, I guess it was WB Games in that case, and said, no, no, someone at Monolith say, no, 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 this is going to piss people off, don't do it. Um, or did they just go along with it, or did they support it? Because it is it is not a binary thing. It doesn't have to be they supported it or they didn't. Mm-hmm. It could right. very easily be they supported it or they didn't, or in the middle, they just let it happen whether they supported it or not. It right. was just kind of a mandate from on high, and they, and nobody spoke up. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, remember the, the old Edmund Burke thing, right? The only thing uh, evil requires is that good men do nothing. Right. Well, and, and a lot of times it's like, you know, these types of things could have been uh, a situation of, you know, DICE actually may have anticipated these things, and they may have... Uh, in you know attempts to make their lives easier um come up with ahead of time ways to create um ways out if if situations would arise does that make sense like like they're sitting back saying you know i expect people are going to be ticked off about these microtransactions make sure there's an off switch in there (laughs) right basically we don't have to put out a giant patch we can just go click it's done and Mm -hmm. it turns out that's essentially what they had because what they did is they they didn't pull the concept from the game, and they didn't even pull the uh, the button to get more crystals from the game. They pulled it from the stores, right? like PlayStation Network Store and Xbox Live Store, so that basically if you click the button, you just don't go to anything mm-hmm. to spend the money. Um, although that has led to some criticisms of, well, wait a second, but those who already did pay to win, or whatever you want to call it, those who already paid into it and bought crystals still have their crystals, can still spend those crystals in-game, or have already spent it and gotten benefits from it. But then again, if you're going to say that all pay-to-win needs to be removed, there is also the argument over the whole Elite Trooper edition, which we will get to. But I guess we got a bigger controversy first to look at. Uh, um, I don't think it's that big, but I mean, we, we'll dive it, into it. I, I think this is huge. I well, think this is, from a gaming pers- a gaming industry's perspective, I think the next part that you've got in our show notes is freaking gigantic. Okay, well, I, I will say, just real quick, this isn't anything new. Really, this this type of thing has no. actually happened before, and um, uh, and so I'll, I'll mention that. But basically, in Belgium, uh, EA is either is being or um, was because I'm I'm seeing uh, another article that uh, stated that uh, stated it as in like past tense. So I don't know um, if anything has actually kind of come uh, to fruition on this or if a decision was made, but basically they were investigated, uh, for the loot boxes and, you know, saying, Hey, is this gambling or more importantly, is this a, um, is this child gambling? And can I, can I give a quick answer to that? Sure. Go for it. Yes. (laughs) Um, now, whether or not that's a bad thing, whether or not this is something that rises to the level of needing some type of government action 
depends on your society. It depends on your laws. It depends on how your legal definitions of things like gambling uh, and electronic gambling in particular are actually defined because in a lot of cases they're not defined in a way that would apply to something in the home like this. But yeah, you're spending money trying to get something. You're hopeful that if you win, you will have what you want, but that may actually spur you to keep doing it more. And if you don't, they are designed in such a way that with the visual flair, with the sounds that you get, with all the different psychological things added into the mix and the anticipation built into the mix, which is all very well orchestrated, basically is trying to get you to always think, well, it must be the next one so that you will keep spending money and keep gambling uh, and keep betting on because you're spending money trying to get something. When you don't, you just keep trying and trying and trying and trying. It is the by definition in most countries from a legal definition that is gambling. But what it comes down to is where countries actually allow the gambling and electronic gambling is something that some countries haven't even addressed at all. Mm-hmm. Some countries have only looked at gambling if it's a physical location like a, a casino, like Cloud City Casino. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in other places, electronic gambling has become a thing. Like in the United States, in Georgia, there's a big deal about the where gambling is and is not allowed. And to take this to the next step, to online gambling, we see that when it comes to websites – in some states being regulated when it comes to things like going online and doing a, you know online casinos. But it's still an open question when it comes to things like uh, fantasy sports and the money that goes into that when you have some system that you actually pay into. Um, that is still being investigated in some states. And now you've got console gaming being added into this mix. From a standpoint of how it works, of course it's gambling. But is it the kind of gambling that falls under illegal status and in a particular situation that's the key and so far it doesn't there's been a lot of investigations it doesn't appear that any country or any municipality has been willing to actually say this is gambling and it is in violation of our laws and as such we are going to ban it or otherwise go after the parties responsible for it that implemented it if that were to ever happen The whole microtransaction landscape across the board, not just in consoles, but also in mobile devices and such, completely gets turned on its head, as does the current economic model for gaming. So I can't overstate how much this has the potential to be a major earthquake in gaming, but I don't know that any country or group at this point has the laws that are specific enough to make this something that they can act upon. Or have the willingness and wherewithal to say, okay, well, I'm in this little country over here. This violates our laws, but I know that in doing this, it'll set a precedent so that you know the rest of the world sees this and the controversy just grows, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure how many different countries are going to put themselves in the crosshairs of criticism for that. You know what I mean? Um, it takes some guts to be the first one. I mean to file those charges probably took some guts. To actually have a ruling in favor of the state against uh, – and I mean state as in country in this case. Right, right. Against the institution that is a multinational company that probably has a an incoming profit each year that maybe your GDP size or bigger, that maybe takes more guts than we're going to see for a while. Well, so he, here's the thing with it, and I because I actually – I don't think that this is a, an issue personally, the, the way that it's set up in uh um battlefront but now i want to ask you 
because I think a lot of it comes down to like your definition of gambling because gambling can be, you know, I actually pulled up here. So there's uh, the, the first definition is uh, play games of chance for money. All right. Um, under that respect, this definitely doesn't fall under that definition. Uh, right. Because you don't get any money as your result. You just save money. Right. Or save time as a result. So, but n- number two is take risky action and hope of a desired result. So, so asking somebody out and you're not sure what they're going to say becomes right. gambling. Again, yeah. I mean, essentially, in that respect, almost everything's gambling, right? So, because I want to ask you take, for instance, um, you know, Star Wars Destiny, the way that they have the. Uh, the random packs with that. I mean, do you consider that gambling? I would say no, but then again, I would say that in a, from a legal definition, it depends on how specific it is. I think, I mean, for me, my thing is I'm very, for lack, I mean, I would almost say I'm more libertarian on many issues in that I just don't really care what you do with your time and your money and your freedom to choose as long as it's not impeding me in some way. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of on the fence of, wait, you're, okay, so you're going to have gambling. The, the, the main reason why I can see the acts that take place a lot of time to try to ban gambling oftentimes is that it does tend to bring a criminal element. It does not tend to bring the financial benefit to a community that is purported when, uh, when say, a new casino or something or a new riverboat gambling type of thing is being presented. Uh, know that from the just the personal perspective of my hometown went through the whole process of getting a riverboat for gambling uh for uh you know when i was still living there but um the the biggest thing now seems to be the um almost a mental health issue that in essence if gambling is an addiction then it is a mental health issue to try to protect people from being exploited in that way therefore you go after it um, yeah, like but, my personal definition of gambling is that the definition depends on the context. But if it's if it's going to be something somebody's going to act against, that you're mm-hmm. going to have some type of governmental involvement, there has to be a legal definition in my mind. Like, and it's like anything else. Like this, you may think this is sexual harassment, or you know a, a, that that somebody that a guy at work smiled at you. Mm-hmm. Is that sexual harassment under the guidelines of the business? Is it sexual harassment under the law? And that is vastly different than someone being sexually assaulted or somebody being harassed and constantly pursued, um, put into the corner and, and unable to get out of a meeting with someone. Um, that we have to have, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on on what extremes count as what and what the boundaries are of certain terms. But the only way you're going to be able to do anything from a governmental or a legal standpoint is that you have to have firm definitions of some kind. Right. Um, most of Ameri- most of jurisprudence across the world is not the way that the U.S. sees pornography, which was, as it was said by the Supreme Court, I know it when I see it. Most of <laughs> the time it is firm boundaries. Right. So in this case, I, I, it's, it's going to come down to what the, the boundaries are for what these different states and countries see as gambling. But that's where the – to me, that's where some of the fascinating holy crap moment comes in. Because, I mean, you take something in the United States, I mean, every state, in fact, in some cases, different municipalities have completely different definitions of what gambling is. I right. mean, it, it becomes a national version of the same kind of thing as the uh, um, the marijuana thing goes, right? Some states saying yes, some states says yes for medical reasons, and yet the federal government still says controlled substance, no, you can't. 
And now you have a federal state clash that's going to wind up in court someday. Um, same kind of thing here. Like, even if someone were able to go after it, what would they be able to do for it? Um, well, and, mean, and, and does that mean anything to us? Because some people do think if it's illegal, by definition, it must be morally wrong. But well, you know, there was a point where in, in Indiana, it was illegal for a woman to buy a hat without her husband approving of it first. I'm not sure if that was a moral issue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, so, so I can answer a lot of those questions because, like I said, this is not a new situation. Um, but the reason I asked you about the whole... Um, uh, the situation with with Destiny is that because with twenty Desti- minutes ago, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> with with Destiny, that's an actual physical thing, and then those those cards uh, actually gain a value uh, based on mm-hmm. you know uh, how good they are in the game, or because someone likes this or whatever. I mean, you know, it's different things throughout all different card games, such as Magic: The Gathering and uh, Pokemon or whatever, right? Uh, so. With that, to me, that is actually more gambling than this because even if you get the most desired uh, card in, in the, the loot uh, crate, right? Is that what they're calling them, loot crates? Why does that sound weird all of a sudden? Supply crates. Supply crate. Okay, yeah. Loot, loot crate, crate is, is the... the thing where they send you the box of stuff right. every month. <clears throat> so this, the supply crate, if you get the most desired one, it's not as, as though you can then turn around and sell that to another gamer for any money it, it actually holds no um no monetary value whatsoever this isn't an mmo you can't trade your stuff with right. other players so that's why i say with this one to me it's kind it's i feel like that there's no real um there's really no legs to stand on unless they have strict um Unless they have like really strict gambling laws on things such as, you know, like Magic the Gathering or Star Wars Destiny or, or the like. Uh, past mm-hmm. that, this is not the first time that this has been the case even in gaming. In fact, uh, the big one, and this was, this was really big, was uh, Counter-Strike Global Offense. Are you familiar with that game? I'm very vaguely familiar with the series, but not any specifics, no. Okay, so, so now the the odd thing is, so they did something similar where it was um, like supply crates that you could, um, they may have called them something else, it may have been like a chest or whatever, but basically what it was, you would get skins, um, and you could spend actual money on these skins, and then turn around, and it, and it was completely, um, you know, completely random, but then you could actually sell the skins uh, to uh, to other people for whatever you know value that you felt they had and whatever that other person would uh, pay. That is gambling, you know, because that's actual um, you know uh, risk taking, uh, a complete uh, RNG or whatever, you know, to where you're oh, okay. This is what I'm gonna get, and then turn around and then selling that. Um, you know, at a value for actual money. Um, to me, that's very open and shut as gambling. And, and that was a, a big issue uh, about a year or two ago. And um, it even, <laughs> there was even some issues with uh, uh, some YouTubers that were sort of conning people with it and everything. It, it was, it was a big deal. So like I said, this isn't, um, this isn't as, as big of an issue. And then further um, it's, it's, um, you know, I I don't know. I th- I think the the main thing too is is how 
they go from that because I, I know that Valve, who um, you know they're the the makers behind Counter Strike, they made some uh, changes to it, but further, um, you know, past that, they actually didn't even go as far as they want. I know the government basically wanted to, uh, and I, I believe this was the U.S. government wanted them to stop allowing um, players to trade, um, able to trade these skins. Because that's the thing is, I don't think that there's an in-game system for that, but of course you can always say, okay, we'll, we'll do a trade, and then on top of that trade, uh, you know, like you send me this money PayPal, and then, you know, you can have this or whatever. Um, in fact, I know that a lot of that goes on with a lot of things such as the uh the star wars trader app that uh, a lot of people i know in the community have been using um in fact some people listening to this may have actually done that you can <laughs> you can actually set up to where you can sell your digital cards on ebay and for quite a bit of money so there's i mean th- there's a lot to it um but i i feel like that it's it's I don't think Belgium's going to have much of a, a a leg to stand on as far as from a you know being able to actually make it to where this game can't be played in Belgium or you know or that it's a, a something that would have to be taken out uh, in Belgium. Yeah, most laws when it comes down to it, it comes down to financial gain of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have to have something where the benefit or gain can be something other than other than monetary. And even then, usually something like saving time isn't considered something that is a benefit that can be legally protected in court in many cases. So yeah, I don't don't think there's any legal leg to stand on. I think, I mean, I do, I would argue that it's a form of gambling, certainly, but is it a kind that from a legal perspective will be or could be acted upon? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that said, that opens up the other thing of, is it pay to win? Pay to win isn't illegal. Right. Pay to win may be immoral to some degree, <laughs> depending on where your moral ground stands on how you look at those particular issues of ethics. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not an illegal thing. Um, but pay to win can be a charge that makes or breaks your game and makes or breaks whether or not people are going to buy it and whether you're going to wind up being voted the worst company in the world. Multiple years in a row. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so yeah, so, so from a gambling perspective, I think it's kind of an, an, an open question. But, man, the very first time we see that actually come down as, a, as against a company in a legal ruling, I expect a, a shakeup. But that's – but, you know, that's more interesting to me as an economics teacher than as a gamer, to be honest. Right. So uh, like, nerd. <laughs> it's okay. I can't, I can't throw stones in my glass house. Um, People in glass houses shouldn't walk around naked or something like that. Uh, I am intrigued by the article that you have provided in our show notes as we were preparing for the episode on the next big topic, or I guess the last big topic, unless we want to talk the economics of microtransactions at all. Um, this intrigued me. So I think the most interesting, because I threw this in a bit last minute, so I didn't have a whole lot of time to write any sort of like sub notes on it or anything. Um, but the, the biggest thing, uh, to me at least, is who or, you know, where the article's from. Uh, and that's from Forbes. Which, granted, 
Forbes is big from a business news standpoint. Forbes is kind of one of the respected places to get news for business. Mm -hmm. But Forbes has been delving into more and more like video game reviews and stuff on the side. So Forbes Online and Forbes the publication aren't necessarily held in the same stature. Close, but not exactly the same. So you're saying that they are not the uh, foremost place to get your video game news? For video game news, no. Oh. No, but the fact that they have de- they've sort of answered the fact that they were always seen as they didn't delve enough into certain areas of business. And now they are and in expanding that they've got some really, you know, deep, really well-done financial analysis stuff and then in some cases people are like, "Why are you covering a video game on Forbes, man? That doesn't make any sense unless mm-hmm. there's a deeper business reason for it and sometimes there's not." That's why they're getting sort of that weird reputation of their website versus otherwise. Right. So, But it is still Forbes. It's not like video game central. Right. So, and the thing is, I do got to say the, the bulk of it, of this article, I think it's kind, I don't think it's a very solid argument. Um, but but the I'll just read the headline. The headline is, you can still pay to win in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, but basically what what the the gist of it is is that okay they got rid of the um the microtransactions in the game but hey you can still buy the elute trooper deluxe edition and that is enough to make the game pay to win i'm not sure if it's enough to make it pay to win because i think it's a game that is based enough around your actual skill level that different star cards aren't going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking pay to win in the sense of pay to get a bit ahead, then yeah, absolutely. At least to some degree, um, it is. I paid the extra to get the Elite Trooper Edition. It let me start making my progression three by accident four days earlier. So in that sense, I'm a little bit ahead. Um, It gives you an Elite level, uh, Epic level star card for each of the classes it gives you a couple of them i believe it is for uh ray and for kylo ren and then you get into stuff that's basically cosmetic and it's interestingly and i didn't know this ahead of time some of the pre-order bonuses that were pre-order bonuses for the regular edition are just included in the elite trooper edition and not based on whether you pre-ordered or not which i was kind of surprised by i didn't realize that um but yeah, it's interesting because I've been progressing with the heavy trooper enough that as of last night, I think it was, I finally reached a milestone point where I got a reward in game. But the reward I got in game was the gun that was already unlocked for me by the Elite Trooper Edition. Because alongside, basically, you get an elite, an elite star card or an epic star card for each. You get one of the other three weapons unlocked for each, which is the first one you unlock in regular progression, and you get one um, uh, upgrade or modification for that weapon unlocked immediately. Um, I don't think any of that is game-breaking stuff, but it absolutely saves a lot of time. I'm nowhere near being able to get any epic-level cards unless it's completely random out of a loot box at this point, and yet I've got several of them thanks to the Elite Trooper Edition. Right. So... I mean, pay to get ahead, absolutely. Pay to win, does it affect your skill enough? But I think that there's at least somewhat of a case there that... Right, and I mean, it's it's definitely 
it's true. I mean, I get it and I see what, what they're saying. Um, but I have to, you know, I have to be honest that I don't know if it's enough to really even make a statement about, uh, do you, I, I feel like that this only exists, you know, this, uh, article, which, and it's not the only one. Uh, in fact, they actually, um, linked a polygon article as well. It's basically saying the same thing. Um, you know, I, I don't think that this article, these two articles would exist if it weren't for all the other controversy with the microtransactions and the mm-hmm. supply crates. However, with that being said, I have not played the, you know, I haven't used any of that stuff yet. I haven't even redeemed my codes. I've just uh, focused on the uh, main story stuff. So I can't speak to, you know, whether or not those uh upgrades are uh you know if if they're effective enough to be considered um you know a a big enough head start i think it's going to depend on how they balance the game Mm -hmm. right now i don't think it's enough of a head start to really break the game um but it is to a degree pay to win or pay to get ahead um, I agree that there probably wouldn't have been those articles because that tends to be the norm on many games at this point. Get some extra yeah. stuff by paying for a, a bigger edition. Um, in this case, I think it's a little bit more towards the hinky side because it is, uh, even if you don't use those cards, like I've got card slots open for characters or classes that I wouldn't have had open ahead of time because of those epic cards that it comes with. Right. Right. So in that sense, yes, you've got a little bit of progression help, but I don't think it makes enough of a difference because this is a game in which basically time to kill is probably going to get tweaked because you have a lot of bullet sponge type things going on. Like I was driven nuts by and I I finally gave up on the challenge that was going on, I guess, yesterday as of the time we're recording this, which was uh, get 10 headshots with a long blaster because they didn't want you to get headshots with a long blast. They wanted you to get headshot kills with a long blaster and didn't say so. And usually it takes like three headshots with a sniper <laughs> rifle before someone dies. Mm-hmm. Um, in that environment, none of these abilities is necessarily a kill on site immediate. You know, if I have it, I'm getting kills all over the place type of thing. Right. But as they tweak the balance, if they tweak the time to kill type balance, that may make these new star these star cards that people are starting out with from the elite trooper edition that may make those more advantageous than they feel right now um but it certainly is a time saver just in terms of the randomness aspect and uh, having to farm for crafting parts by getting loot boxes after loot boxes after loot boxes and such um it's it is different to me like i bought the ultimate edition of injustice 2 which was kind of dumb because i'm barely even playing anymore and they're still putting out dlc characters <laughs> i'm entitled to that i'll probably never play with but in that case it was here's these characters to play as but not necessarily saying okay here's this you know here's superman here's a bunch of extra stuff for superman that'll make him extra powerful in this match whereas in this case it's kind of leaning towards that direction but even then you can still get all these things in the game and you can still progress and it doesn't feel like at least to me, maybe to you, but it definitely doesn't feel like to me that they have hampered progression in-game in order to sell loot boxes when they were doing it or in order to sell the Elite Trooper edition. I okay. think that if somebody's thing was, well, they wanted you to, to to spend money on loot boxes, that's why it's an anemic pace progression. I'm like, 
this isn't an anemic case pace progression. Have you, did you play Battlefront 1? <laughs> right. This is actually not nearly as bad as Battlefront 1 was. So I wonder right. if that's just the normal progression they would have gone with either way. Um, at least in this particular uh, this particular case. Um, unlike, again, I, I always make the comparison when it comes to microtransactions, unlike Shadow of War, where really the true ending, you've beaten the game. Now here's what amounts to a, a set of scenarios where you're just doing repetitive stuff, grinding, and the real cutscene for the end of the game happens immediately after that. But unless you're going to spend countless hours grinding, you're going to have to spend some money to get through that fourth act. That feels more like a paywall to me than this does. This right. feels more like paying and having a little bit of a boost. That's an actual wall trying to keep you from some content that in theory you've already earned by beating the actual story of the game. Right. Uh, but yeah. Now, can we delve a little bit into the econ of microtransactions here? I promise not to be too boring, but I think it's an important point when we're talking so much about microtransactions, and it saves us from doing it in a future episode. <laughs> if you make it quick. If I make it quick. Um, so I, I go with an analogy here when it comes to the gaming industry, and that is uh, a, a guy who is running a little store or a little shop that sells like hot dogs, right? So I own a little side stand and I can sell hot dogs and I'm selling these little hot dog meals for three bucks a pop. And what you get when you come in to buy this little hot dog meal is you're gonna get a standard old regular old bun and a standard hot dog, right? So a standard hot dog, a little bit of beef, a little bit of chicken, a little bit of pork. You don't ask where the meat comes from. It's just hot dog meat, right? And I'm gonna give you little generic packs of ketchup and mustard to go with it if you want it. And then alongside this meal, we have one type of generic potato chip that we're providing. Um, no variety, and it is a generic like store brand kind of thing, but there are chips, regular potato chips involved. And you can pick from amongst a selection, uh, or a limited selection at least, of store brand soft drinks in the 12-ounce cans to be able to get. So it's not Dr. Pepper, it's like Kroger's Dr. K, but you can choose that or their version of Mountain Dew or whatever. And we're selling these for three bucks because I can afford to do that given the cost to me to get the hot dogs, to get the buns, to get the ketchup and mustard, to get the chips and to get the drinks, right? From a, from a business model that provides me with enough profit to pay my overhead, pay my employees and still have enough profit left over that it makes it worthwhile to me to run this business at all instead of going into doing something else like opening a taco stand or something. But times change. And over time, people's expectations of what you get out of a hot dog meal from a place you're actually going and buy instead of making it a home have started to change. In order to meet that expectation and to keep my customers, I'm having to up my game when it comes to my hot dog stand. So now it's still a regular bun, but now that is a 100% beef hot dog, you know exactly what it is. Thank goodness. Um, I'm giving you now little packets of ketchup and mustard, except they are brand name. And if you like, there are little scoops where you can add some relish or some freshly diced onions onto your hot dog. You still have chips to choose from, but now they are brand name chips and I have a selection of them. You still have soft drinks to choose from, but now not just is it a selection of them, but a selection of them that are name brand. And I'm giving you 20 ounce bottles instead of 12 ounce cans. The problem for me though is even though people's standards have been raised for hot dogs and what they want out of my stand, I'm kind of screwed because in the marketplace out there, the expectation of what a hot dog meal should cost has not changed. People expect me to up my game and provide all of this extra value that I wasn't before still for that $3 price tag. I'm screwed. 
at this point because the, my costs have gone through the roof. Nothing has happened to my revenue to actually help me offset those costs. I'm either going to go out of business or I'm going to have to find some other thing to do at my little hot dog stand to bring in supplemental cash to be able to offset the rising cost of production because I can't do it through per unit revenue anymore. I'm screwed because tastes and times have changed, but prices have not. Welcome to the gaming industry, okay? <laughs> For the last two generations, since really the beginning of the PS3, Xbox 360, Wii-type generation, the expectation has been that a AAA title or a standard video game, both because that's aren't necessarily the same thing, but a standard video game should be 60 bucks, And that's just the price tag you expect, regardless of whether it's on a Sony console, a Nintendo console, in some cases, uh, or on... A Microsoft console, 60 bucks will be your normal price. Well, in the time since the beginning of the PS3, Xbox 360 era, and now into the era of 4K gaming, um, uh, people expecting uh, lifelike performances, amazing graphics, and so on, um, the costs of game production have skyrocketed. Moreover, we're out there saying we don't want the game to stop. So if it's multiplayer, we want you to keep the servers going for a long time. We want more content after the fact. But how dare you ask us to buy DLC anymore? Right. Because it used to be that the prices were skyrocketing and people could, and companies could come in and supplement that to sort of keep the lights on and keep the support going and get back some of their costs by doing DLC that was lower cost to produce than what they could get out of it. Like Capcom was amazing at this and – predatory at this to a degree, um, with their alternate costumes for different games, right? Street Fighter, tons of alternate costumes, and they're even going to save them on some bandwidth because they're going to put them on the disc and you just unlock them by paying money. But it was, hey, here's something we can quickly put together, just a different skin for this character, a different color palette for this character, sell it, we make back some of the money that goes towards the original overhead of creating the game in the first place. Um, and hey, we're going to spend some money, but at least not as much as before because the character models are already there to create something like a DLC mission and sell it for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever. Um, but even that wasn't working because some people balked at that. They wanted their games to be supported for a very long time, and yet the majority of players would play the game, maybe check out the first DLC, maybe the first couple of DLCs, but after that, any other DLCs, it dropped off significantly in terms of who was actually bothering to buy them. They weren't a steady revenue stream, and yet they were still having to pay to actually have them made in the first place as DLC. Their production costs were still tied up in it to the point where they started doing season passes. We'll tell you what, we'll sell you these DLCs at a discount and usually give you something a little extra as a means of having you pay up front. So it's not, not going to matter to them whether you are really only going to play the first two and then drop off for the last two. You're still paying for all four up front, so the money's coming in to help them with, again, the cost of the games rising for them, but only still being able to sell it for 60 bucks because people will freak the hell out if a standard game is not $60 anymore and the price starts to go up. Um it's a very elastic market. If if uh, Sony starts letting games on PlayStation go up, you can bet it's going to start selling more and more Xbox consoles and so on. Um, or if EA starts letting prices on their games go up, all of a sudden EA gets blasted again. Because people don't think in terms of production cost versus the actual per unit cost when it comes to buying as a consumer. So the newest answer to that has been, well, apparently we're evil to do DLC, especially cosmetic DLC 
that doesn't cost us much that we can then sell. Um, we are evil for doing season passes because it's seen as predatory because you may not actually get use out of all of it, even though that is your choice. And now we're in the realm of microtransactions. It's the the newest way for a company to try to support ongoing support for those games and the rising production costs without raising the cost of the base game to the consumer. And you can argue over the merits of whether or not microtransactions are good for the gaming industry. Are they gaming? Um, are there ways you can do it to implement it that is ethical, which is not pay to win, but perhaps just only cosmetic or emotes or stuff like that? Um, plenty of ways to go about it, but there is there tends to be this thought process out there that microtransactions in general, by their very nature, are evil, are bad, just like paid DLC, bad, and so on and so on. If you want the games to have the production values they have now and that are going to cost as much as they do now to make, and you want continued support with multiplayer maps or multiplayer servers available or other content added to the game so it's more like a service than it is a standalone game, where do you want the money to come from? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's and, and that's what I've somewhere. said from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's my economic thing. Mm -hmm. it's, microtransactions can't be inherently evil if you're also saying all these other things are, are evil. I mean, the money's got to come from somewhere. So my question to you and to the audience if it would get rid of microtransactions forever and get rid of paid DLC forever, would you be willing to pay a higher cost for every single video game you buy? Um, That's the economic reality of right, it. Right, right. Are people willing to do it? Well, I, I don't mean, think so. I, I, well, I'll say I think for me, um, I'm at least open to it since I just bought this... Uh, elite trooper edition so clearly <laughs> clearly i'll pay more for a game and and this isn't the first time i've done it i've done it with uh several of them you know i'm i've uh been bad about buying uh or good about buying um the collector's editions of games in in the past and and i'm talking uh for instance borderlands 2 they had the uh the epic loot vault edition and i don't remember how much it was i want to say it was like up around you know, a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars, or something like that. Um, you know, but uh, games that uh, you know, I bought the. You're talking about Unjustice. I bought the the first Unjustice game with uh, Injustice. injustice. Uh, I don't I think know. Unjustice is a word unless you work at the White House right now. <laughs> I was about to say something very similar. Unjustice about. for Kofefe. Uh, <laughs> unjustice for Kofefe. <laughs> yes, brilliant. I love it. Uh, but anyhow, um. The Injustice game, I bought the uh, the one with the the Wonder Woman and Batman statue that was pretty cool. So, oh nice, yeah. So I mean, I I've purchased stuff like that before where I'm like, hey, this is a franchise that I know I like, so mm -hmm. I will get this uh, this collector's edition Dude, because it comes yeah. with stuff that I think is pretty cool. Now, are you usually buying those when it comes to a physical goodie like the statues, or does it just is it just completely game dependent? And sometimes you're you're just getting the digital extra goodies, and other times you're going for the physical. Uh, it varies. I mean, I because like I, I for instance, I bought the the Lego set for um, mm -hmm. um, the the Star Wars the Force Awakens Lego set. Now it did come with the fin. But it also wasn't much more. It was like what, maybe five, maybe ten dollars more for mm -hmm. that that gold edition or whatever. So uh, the, the the little Lego uh, minifig fin was a bonus, but I probably still would have gotten it even without that. Um, typically, I will say, yeah, it, it, if it's a a really cool 
um, like physical item that comes with it. Um, I've, I've had more, um, I've been more inclined in the past to buy it that way rather than, you know, if it's something extra, but that's also has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, typically speaking, they haven't really done a whole lot of that. Most of the time when they've Mm -hmm. added the stuff, it's usually been with like the game of the year editions, in which case I've most likely already bought the game. Very true. So, so thinking about this, if microtransactions have to go away because they're so controversial, paid DLC season passes and regular paid DLC in a lot of cases, nope, can't do that, but we want this ongoing support, then I'm a, I guess this, in, in essence, goes back to something you've been talking about for a while, which is, I mean, this is kind of leaning towards that games-as-a-service thing, that right. there's going to have to be a model that, that whether it's you're paying by the month or your price up front is is larger so that you have longer support after the fact um that it that it is heading in that direction i i'm not sure if that's a good thing well, or not but I, I think it just i think this this just adds more to the perspective that you sort of brought to the table that games heading towards games as a service um that that's something we have to be ready for well, and I mean, further, I think that I think it's a good idea. I, I think there's a way that games as a, as a service can work and um, be, uh, you know, be good for everyone. And I, I think an example of that is like, you know, we talked about on the last episode that there is some, um, you know, actual in-game stuff coming, uh, you know, in-game DLC coming. Um Another one, you know, like I talked about Borderlands earlier, uh, Borderlands actually did, I want to say it was like $15. You could do the the season pass for it, but they had their game and it was very much a complete game that you could play, but then they would have these um, like extended uh, like missions and things that you would, um, you know, you'd spend about 15 bucks on something like that and it would continue to add on to the game and they continued to uh, put those out throughout the year. I think stuff like that is a great way to, um, you know, to extend the life of the game and to actually, because it's not a situation of, oh, hey, here is the full game. We're making you pay more to, to get the full game. It's just, look, these are things that we've added um, you know, actual digital in-game uh, content that you can choose to pay for or not, and you know it'll sort of supplement it that way. Cool. It's just it's it's intriguing to me. Just the the things we're willing to do, the things we're not willing to do, versus what we actually want from an economic standpoint. So often don't match up. But I guess that's that's not unique to gamers, right? We all want more stuff to be done by certain government levels for whatever fits our particular political persuasion. But generally we don't like the idea of taxes rising to pay for those types of things, you know, give me, give me, but please don't take my money to be able to provide it to them. Um, I guess that's sort of our, it, I get, maybe it's refreshing to know that in gaming, we are just <laughs> like we are everywhere else that humans are humans everywhere. But at the same time, there's a part of me that shrinks back and goes, Oh my God, humans are human, humans everywhere. <laughs> gaming isn't even safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, and and typically with gaming, it seems like I said people seem to be a little more emotionally charged uh, than they are in other stuff. Which I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think you can pretty much see people being nasty everywhere. Uh, you know, regardless of uh, 
you know, whether it's politics, whether it's, um, you know, w- whether it's uh, uh, gaming, whether it's uh, dancing with the stars, whatever. I mean, there's you're, you're always going to see that stuff. <laughs> I may not be willing to vote, but I'm going to destroy EA on Reddit over the cost of Vader. Right. So something I did just for fun here um, is that uh, and, and this isn't a full um, it's not it's not a, a specific one for one, but just something to keep in mind, because like we talked about with, you know, the, the rising costs and stuff. When PlayStation 3 came out, uh, games, they charge $60 for games. Um, and now we're on PlayStation 4 and there's still $60 for games. Now, considering that nothing has really changed um, since then, you know, if, if we're not looking at uh, any sort of cost of uh, the game versus what it was now in, compared to them and, uh, you know, uh, keeping in mind the, um, you know, the inflation for that. But just strictly talking about um, inflation cost, it would um, $60 in 2006 when the uh, PlayStation 3 first came out to today, um, we're looking at a $13.34 difference. So you're talking about not even necessarily the cost itself, but because of inflation and the value of the dollar changing, mm-hmm. that $60 today only buys what would have been bought with $47 worth approximately back when the PlayStation 3 launched. Right. So, I mean... Th- I'm so proud of you. That was a very economic thing to do. That was, <laughs> he went for inflation rates and... Right. Ooh, I mean, granted... I'm rubbing off on him. Right. I mean, granted, there's other uh, costs to, to consider, such as, you know, the cost of uh, what the, the technology uh, costs today and then versus what it cost then, um, you know, and then you, then you'd have to want to... You, you would from there have to uh, consider the inflation rates for that stuff as well. But like I said, just looking at it as a simple uh, one for one. Yeah. I mean, that would essentially mean that games would go up to about, uh, you know, 73, around $73 um, if they were just wanting to do it that way. Um, and I mean, to me, for whatever reason, I think it, it does like looking at it, I'm like, I don't want to pay $73 for a video game. Granted, I just spent 80, but that's different. It's a it's a, a deluxe edition. <laughs> and you also the the gaming industry has grown substantially since the beginning of the PS3 Xbox 360 era. So your demand has increased out there for these games and usually an increase in demand is going to lead to an increase in price. Right. But not necessarily in this case. Um Again, it goes back to, I I used the term elastic earlier. Elasticity in economics basically just means how reactive a market is. If you change the price on something, how likely is it that people are either going to get more of it or say hell no and walk away? So like gas tends to be fairly inelastic because you still got to get somewhere, so you're still going to have to buy gas even if the price sucks. Whereas something that's completely at a whim type of purchases, if the price goes up too much, we just say forget it. you know. And strangely enough, games tend to be in that very elastic area. As, as diehard as fans are and as hardcore as gamers can be, um, you change price too much on video games and people tend to react very quickly to that. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in terms of deep sales, but the opposite if you raise that price and people start saying, screw it, I'm going to do something else. Or at least I'm going to 
cringe and buy the game, and then I'm going to go on social media and yell out about it. Well, and day. you know, also keeping in, uh, and and this is my last thought on because we have been going kind of long, and I'm sure there's plenty of people been like, I just wanted to hear you rant about EA. I don't care about your economics lessons. My bad. Well, look, um, if EA <laughs> hadn't screwed up that many times in such a short period, we wouldn't have had to have a long episode. EA. Sp- Base out your screw-ups. <laughs> right? Give us some breathing room. Uh, but anyhow, uh, which is funny that we're, we're saying that as we're essentially, this is giving them a, a bit of leeway here and, and sort of defending them somewhat. Well, we, it's, it's, it's all about that intellectual honesty thing. I mean, we right, want to be, right. we don't want to be ranting. We want to be out there taking an honest look at things. I think that's what they turn to the show for. I, I like to do both, just to be honest. I like to Yeah, rant that's true. That's your little bit of ranting <laughs> always, always is good for the soul, uh, right. uh, especially if it's someone else's soul that you bargained for and it's that's what you're burning. Uh, sure. Sure, that sounds like really specific. Uh, oh, I think that's too much information. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> but uh, you know, and now I've completely forgot the uh, the statement that I was going to make on it anyway. So maybe we should just go ahead and end it here. <laughs> oh, oh, derailed, and the train goes off the cliff. I, right. I just derailed you like any train in the Uncharted series. Sure. I had to keep that game relevant right there. Right, right. So, all right, man, I'm going to end it right here. Um, if you've got anything that you want to say on it, I, I've, obviously there's plenty of people out there who have plenty to say on uh, the topic. So if you do, say it to us. You know, you can uh, reach us just at Cloud City Casino on Twitter. Uh, and there's also the Cloud City Casino Facebook page. Um, and then, of course, we have our email cloud city casino at gmail and uh, if you send us uh, an email then we'll of course read that uh you can always find us um over at starwarsreport.com um and then of course we're also on uh, itunes tune in stitcher uh i think i think i saw it was it podbean then i saw saw we're we're basically on all of the uh all of the uh, the podcast uh, formats at this point. Uh, even uh, Google Play, we're on the uh, Star Wars uh, podcast app over there. And um, go ahead and do us a favor and leave us a review. Uh, this is actually the first episode in a while that we didn't have a review to read. Of course, this is also um, a, a quick turnaround as, as we're going to be doing. Um, we're we're going to be uh, putting episodes out a little more consistently now that uh, we do have plenty of Battlefront stuff to talk about. Uh, but, yeah, go ahead and uh, head over to iTunes, especially since it's a lot easier now, and uh, give us a, a five-star, preferably, please, uh, review. And, uh, you know, just write something good about us, or, or not, I guess, if you don't want to. But, you know, I mean, I, you don't want to see me cry. Big, grown, hairy man crying is it's not good, but it's also audio podcast, so I guess I don't. I don't have anything uh, really going for me there. so um, They're big, giant yeah. tears. So, like, they'll yeah. fall on his microphone and make thumping sounds, and no one wants to there hear that. There we go. There we go. I was, I'm like, oh, no, I've dug myself a hole. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, go ahead and just uh, write us a review over there, and, of course, we'll, we'll read that. Um, and then I can just be found on Twitter or Instagram at uh, Morris Isley. And Nate has all kinds of uh, information on himself if you want to give. All kinds of places. Uh, let's see. The Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, just had its 2017 release come out. It's also its 20th anniversary release. You can find that at StarWarsFanWars.com slash timeline. You can find the other podcast that I do with Mark Herleman, which is Star Wars Beyond the Films, also at StarWarsReport.com. 
Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler. Uh, new exclusive content going up there each month. Uh, the next thing to go up, actually, as of the time we're recording this, is an audio commentary for Forces of Destiny Volume 1. So I want to check that out. Uh, my book, A Saga on Home Video, is available on Amazon. And probably most important for people who are listening to this show who are interested in Star Wars games, <laughs> I have revived the Star Wars Battlefront livestream podcast, as I called it, which is my live stream series on YouTube. So I am now doing YouTube streams of Battlefront 2, uh, engaging in discussion with whoever happens to be in the chat at the time that it's streaming. And sometimes I'll be bringing on people like Michael to join me in playing and doing the discussion there. Uh, you can find that YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash chrono, like chronology, Radio, all as one word. Or leave us an iTunes review and he'll send you a link. <sighs> <laughs> what? That's It's not the book this time. Yeah, he acts as if I'm going to be able to send a link to somebody whose name just happens to show up in iTunes as the person who wrote the review, well, unless right. their name is well, the email address. But well, obviously, that's okay, Michael. Yeah. You'll figure it out at some point. Send us, send us a, an email to cloudcitycasino at gmail and say, hey, I'm such and such. You can see my, my review. I would like a link to see Nate play Battlefront. And then Nate will uh, just send you over that link and you can click on it and watch him play Battlefront. Such ma such? That's an unusual surname. What? Never mind. We're done! We're done. EA, do us a favor. We're going to talk about the gameplay next time and the <laughs> campaign soon. Please don't screw up anymore for a while so we can actually do that. And then you're welcome to screw up afterwards. Well, maybe after The Last Jedi content drops in December so we can talk about that too. But hold off on the screwing up for a while and, and at least we'll give us a talk week. about the good stuff. Yeah, at least give us a week. Okay. <laughs> Last week it seemed like at least give us 24 hours, but now at least give us a, a week. Right, right. So uh, It's Thanksgiving. Don't make people cry. <sighs> that's true. So, yeah, let's we'll, we'll plan on that. We'll uh, have our uh, gameplay episode out uh, you know, this time next week. And uh, hopefully we'll be completely devoted to that and, and we won't have to sidetrack for any other EA shenanigans. This just in, option to start matches, now behind a paywall. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we're done for this episode. And uh, always remember, scoundrels. Let the Wookiee win, especially if you paid to do it.
Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, don't 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 try to fleece him down the road for, you know, more winning. Would you like some crystals to buy a crate? Oh, what happened to my arms? <laughs> I was going to let him win after he paid me for the uh, the crystals, in which case he would then open the loots. And then if he got good enough loots, then he could win. It seemed fair. The Wookiee did not agree. It's okay. You can just shame the Wookiee by going on Reddit and talking about how evil he is. <laughs> uh, what's that? The Wookiee dropped his uh, demands by 75%. And now all of a sudden he's not asking for money for anything, but he will later. <laughs> right. At an uh, at a, uh, undisclosed time. Oh, uh, that Wookiee. Hey, I love that Wookiee. I, I love any Wookiee. Please don't, please don't rip my arms off. I've already got one that's red. I'm, I don't, I don't need the other one to match. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking the next one maybe do like a metallic blue. Maybe. I mean, uh, if I want to look like something out of the '60s. This party's over. <laughs>